AmendmentRadio.com worldwide. Freedom is never free. We need your support today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Love their neighbor, 
uh, become a selfish society, and what you will receive when you reject God and his precepts is a society where they'll come and take your sons and daughters. A society in which the leaders are not merely leaders, but rulers. They are not representatives. They are rulers. They are not servants. They are rulers. They compel you to offer sacrifice to them and bow down and serve them. And they take the first of your fruits and the first of your labor, and they promise you many, many things, including liberty, but they are actually workers of iniquity, and they are bringing you more and more into bondage. Now, many of you deserve to be in bondage. Remember, the slothful shall be under tribute. You should be under tribute. You should be in bondage because you've rejected God. You have rejected his ways. You say, Lord, Lord, but you not do the will of the Father. And that's a hard message for people to accept because most people think, oh, well, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I go to church. We sing songs. We're happy. We feel comfortable. And our ministers make sure we're comfortable. But I'm saying, as a voice of one crying in the wilderness, repent. Make straight the way of the Lord. That's what John the Baptist was saying. And when they asked him, how does your government work? How does this kingdom of heaven that you're talking about work? How does this Basilios Oranos work? You have two coats and your neighbor has none? Share. Faith, hope, and charity. Can a government work by faith, hope, and charity? As in the past. Takes a special kind of person. Takes a person willing to give up half of everything they have for the good of others. Their time, their energy, even, even some of their money. They are willing to give it up so that others may have life more abundant. They cast their bread upon the waters as a matter of policy. Their natural policy, their character, as they have the character of Christ. When they do that for the reasons Christ did it, then they are doing it in Christ's name. Whether they know Yeshua, uh, Jesus, doesn't matter. If his character, if his spirit is written on their hearts and their minds by God, then what they do, they do in the name of Christ. The Messiah, the anointed, the king. But Christians today are not doing that. They are doing something quite different. They are taking a bite out of one another. They devour one another's flesh, little at a time. They want free education. They want free health care. It's not free. Their neighbors must contribute to provide for these benefits. There's two ways they contribute. One is in taxes, and because the governments of the world have decided to consume one another uh, by these the systems of social welfare, they create a system anti-Christ. So anyway, we got a lot of listeners out there. I'm going to punch a few buttons here because I forgot to start to record this when we began the show. <laughs> so we'll welcome you again to the Keys of the Kingdom. And we have sent out the number for call-in. So if some of you out there are listening and want to call in and ask a question, we'll give it a test to see if all this equipment is actually going to work. Uh, we're hoping to expand 
uh, our network every day. Someone is joining the network, the Living Network. Uh, you go to the website, org, and you join the Living Network uh, by going to the little guy up there on the top with a net, finding the local area group and join that. It's very important because listening to the radio is not going to save you. Caring enough about others to join with others, to be of assistance to others, and hope that they will be assistant to you when you need help is a key to the kingdom. Person hopes that after many days it may come back unto you. That is what is called a precept of the kingdom. You love your neighbor. You do for your neighbor and hope that someday when you need help, he will do for you. But people didn't want to do that. They wanted to create a social security system where somebody with a gun forces you to contribute to make sure that you have an entitlement coming to you because I paid in, I have a right to get it back. We have an article we just sent into News of Views if they received it, and they'll be sending it out that shows you you do not have a right to get it back. The way the system was written up, you don't have a right to get any of it back. They can stop giving you any benefits whatsoever, and you still must pay them not only the Social Security tax, but an income tax. Because your Social Security number is two numbers. It is your Social Security number for your Social Security benefits, and it is also a tax ID number because there were two forms of taxes that you became responsible for when you obtained that number. One was the Social Security tax, which was not an insurance premium, although it was sold as if it is insurance, which we go into in detail in the article, at least enough in detail that you can check it out more. There's footnotes. We have lots of articles on how that system was set up. It is no different than the Corbin of the Pharisees that made the word of God to none effect because it does not rely upon faith, open charity. It does not bind you by love, except for that love that the cat has for the bird. I love this system because I don't have to work. <laughs> I just get a check every month. I am secure in my social security system except it's not secure. It's bankrupt and they don't have to give you a dime. And they can still exact from you not only the 7 and 14% for Social Security, they can also take 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60% of your labor in order to meet the obligations that are coming according to the government's own statistics. The average individual born in the 1989-1990 period will have to pay out 90% of all of his labor to the government. That's a lot more than 20% that was exacted from you in the bondage of Egypt, which you were never to return to. So you've created a system worse than that of Egypt. And they don't have to give you any straw to make your bricks, to meet your talent. They can tax the hell out of you, and I'm using that word literally. They can tax you with grievous burdens upon your shoulders. And they don't have to give you any straw. You'll have to glean in the field at night for your straw, your benefits. That is what the law says. That is what the fine print of the contract says. And if your ministers really loved you and loved Jesus Christ, they would have been cares of law, judgment, mercy, and faith, and would have warned you, don't sign that contract. It's a dangerous contract. It brings you into bondage. It is returning you to Egypt. In Deuteronomy 17, 16, I think it is, they tell you that if you elect a leader, you need to write this down so that he never does anything to return you to the bondage of Egypt. But your leaders have. 
Why is that? It's because deep down, you don't really love Christ as much as you tell me. You say you love Christ. You say, Lord, Lord, in your churches. But you covet your neighbor's goods. And then with promising you liberty has delivered you into bondage. You are again entangled in the bondage of the world. A world that his kingdom is not a part of because it is contrary. It is anti his kingdom. Why have you gone this way? Because you're a sinner. Because you haven't listened to the Lord. Pray and listen. I pray you listen. And when you listen, you'll say, my goodness, that is coveting my neighbor's goods. To want free education, free health care, free benefits, free old age pensions. You say, well, it's not free. I paid into it. No, what you paid into was for those people who were old when you were young. You were taking care of the elderly. Now, it is the youth that you raised up who should want to take care of you. But they should have the right to choose to do that. Because if they don't have the right to choose, then to be at liberty, why should you be at liberty? You see, if you want to be free, you need to free others also so are there questions out there what comes to your mind when I talk about this concept of faith hope and charity as uh, as opposed to force fear and violence which is the way that the world has taken you the world lives by the sword they guarantee your benefits by the sword. They force and compel and beat those who do not pay enough. Jesus said, no, that's not a good way to be. He tells you the proverb of the guy who he forgave, and you know, the master forgave him, but when he went out, he beat his servants who owed him. That's the way the governments of the world operate. You don't pay in enough, they punish you. Disallow all your deductions, and they, they fine you, and they burden you with unbelievable payments. More so than they have already burdened everybody else. Because they are unforgiving lot. And Christ said, no, that's not the way you should be. Yet that is the way your system has been created. Because you don't know Christ. You've created this government through apathy, avarice, through ambition, through whatever. And not just here in the United States. I'm not picking on the United States. It's in Canada. It's in Australia. It's in China, of course. It's in Europe and Asia. The whole world has gone the way of the world, the constitutional orders and systems of men. The only pure republic left is the church. And you can't become a member of a republic, a pure republic. You can just be it. You have to be the government of the people for the people and by the people. And this is what Christ was talking about. He was talking about government. That's why they said he came preaching the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of God. The word oranos there is best translated, according to Greek scholars, world. In all other texts and Plato's dialogues, it's translated world. Even in Strong's Concordance, you look it up. The vaulted ceiling and everything within it. That's the world. The planet. Now when Jesus says, my kingdom's not of this world, he didn't use Oranos. He used a word that meant constitutional order or system of government. And he was talking to Pontius Pilate and he's saying, my kingdom's not of your world. You don't have no jurisdiction to try me. And he knew he didn't. 
said he washed his hands of the case and he would not try Jesus. And he was shocked when they wanted to crucify him. He had given them the permission to make their own choice and now he was stuck because he had already stepped down from the judgment seat. But he got back at them. He argued on behalf of Jesus, but he got back at them because he wrote a royal proclamation as the procurator of Rome. He was procurator just for a short period of time then because of the fact that uh, his father-in-law, who was the emperor, uh, grandfather-in-law, emperor of uh, Rome, Tiberius, was ill and was turning over his kingdom to somebody else to run. And he wanted Pontius Pilate to do it because he liked Pontius Pilate because Pontius Pilate was married to his favorite granddaughter. And there's a great deal of evidence that Pontius Pilate eventually became a Christian. He certainly did Christianity one of the greatest favors <laughs> you can imagine. He made a royal proclamation of Rome that said Jesus Christ is king. He knew it. His wife knew it. Shepherds knew it. Angels knew it. Prophets knew it. The only one who doesn't know it is modern Christians. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. You should be seeking it. You should be turning around from what you've been doing and do something different. Jesus talked to the multitude of his constituency many times. And he says, and seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain and when he was set his disciples came unto him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of heaven you know the, the phrase kingdom of heaven is only found in Matthew it's not found in any of the other gospels or the apostles uh, uh, epistles or uh, any of the other parts of the Bible. And it's a quirk of translation that they would use the word heaven there, but they wouldn't want to use the word world because Jesus was preaching a new world order based on faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty and loving one another. There's another new world order that's all not all that new and it's not all that orderly, but it's preaching its government and it's based on force, fear, and violence. It is not the love of God. It's the love of my cat for a bird. It will devour you. It will consume you. It, will, it does not care that you live. Just enough of you live that it can contain its power. And anyone who questions its authority better put on the full armor of God a whole lot of bad things are coming because darkness is coming upon us. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor. What is the poor? Who are those that mourn? Let's talk about this when we return to keys of the kingdom. Let's think about how we can become the people of God with the attitude of the Years ahead of the dominant media, FirstAmendmentRadio.com and FirstAmendmentRadio.net, around the world and on satellite. Since the beginning of time, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it, it has been traded, it has been borrowed, it has been purchased, it has been stolen, there's a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. 
call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188 or visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, and regular guest, world-renowned economist Robert Chapman, right here on FirstAmendmentRadio.com at 4 p.m. Eastern or 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. Toll free, 1-800-375-4188. Now listen to me. The Bible says, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government Takeover of the Church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government Takeover of the Church. Order online today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call 559-781-3773. Who will tell them if not you? If you'd like to get a copy of this program, you may subscribe at FirstAmendmentRadio.com for only $45 a month. And you'll receive an MP3 CD weekly of all of our programs. As a bonus, we'll send you a password for our audio archives online. That's a $15 value. Or you may request any month of any program on one MP3 CD for a minimum donation of only $25. Or any single program on tape, MP3 CD, or CD for only $15. You may do all of this online at FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Just follow the instructions to make a donation or subscribe. You may also adopt an hour of your favorite program, Please don't forget that most of the programs on FirstAmendmentRadio.com are listener-supported. Don't do Internet? Then call 559-781-3773, and we'll be honored to help you. Thank you from all of us here at FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. We were talking about the the Beatitudes. Uh, Before we do that, uh, a reminder that we're having a retreat here on uh, September 26th, 27th, 28th, uh, actually a week before, maybe a week after people will be showing up. Um, We're going to have the theme of uh, preparing bread and uh, breaking bread, but of course we're going to be talking kingdom, a lot of campfire talk that we don't talk about on the radio. Uh, we're going to be talking about expanding the network. We're going to have people coming from a long ways off, and uh, it's basically a camping thing. You can get some local motels. There's uh, RV park right here. There's uh, showers and restrooms, uh, all the, the amenities in that way. Uh, we will also be distributing grain for those who order in advance. Uh, this is uh, clean grain for uh, human consumption. Uh, it's a hard white wheat that uh, makes very excellent bread, and uh, we will be talking a lot about that. Uh, as we mentioned before, there's only about 30 days supply of bread and uh, grain in the pipeline of production, uh, which is extremely precarious. We used to have six years supply, uh, so that if we had crop failures, there would be no shortages. Uh, now, because of our global economy and government policies, we are hanging by a thread before famine. Uh, this is nothing to say about all the contamination of our modern food supply. Uh, this would be a much healthier way to uh, live by eating your own. And uh, so we will make that available as we can. But we need to have pre-orders so that we can have it delivered here. Uh, it's $15 for a 50-pound bag, which is exceptionally good price. And that's nobody's making any money on that. People are actually contributing in order to bring it here at that low, low price. So if you wanted to pay more, that would be acceptable. But it's important to us that you have those food supplies available to you. 
uh, it will, you know, uh, many of you who are in other parts of the country wouldn't be able to bring that, join the network, and uh, see what the different contact ministers are putting together to make available to you in your area. Uh, it's very important, this network is extremely important that you be a part of it, a working part of it, because of the things that are coming down, you're going to need help. You're going to need to be able to move about. You're going to need to have places of refuge. And uh, the only way to do that is to create them yourselves by working together in a global network. So anyway, if you want to come to a retreat, get on the network and uh, or go to the website and look up more about it. Let us know if you're coming. Uh, best way to let us know is through your local contact ministers on the network. But... Uh, if you can't, just let us know otherwise so that we can make preparations. If the numbers start exceeding what we have capacity for, we can expand that out. Uh, we've got over a 1,000 acres that we can use, uh, and we can pull in a lot of other resources in our local community because we've been here for a while. Back to the Beatitudes. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What is this word poor? Poor in spirit. Uh, the word poor there uh, is uh, prokos, uh, which, uh, actually, that's tokos, uh, which is uh, from a word that means to crouch. Uh, it's an alternate of a word that uh, has to be to do with going from a higher place to a lower place. And, of course, when Jesus was talking about uh, uh, you are not to be like the princes of the Gentiles who exercise authority one over the other and call themselves benefactors, he says that he came to serve. And he who is to be highest amongst you is to be the one who is willing to serve to crouch, to bend down, to serve others, to be of value to others. Now, it, it is the antithesis of taking a bite out of one another. <laughs> it is, uh, you have to be like a God in the sense that you are a giver of life. Christ came to serve. We should be coming to serve. You don't come to church and say, okay, what, are you, what am I going to get out of it? And, you know, you have a handful of people doing all the work and everybody else sitting in the pew. And the pews have had to get wider and wider because everybody's sitting around. That's not kingdom. Kingdom is about diligence. The slothful shall be under tribute. The diligence shall bear rule. So if you are going to be seeking the kingdom, you need to be seeking ways in which to serve one another. And that's what it means about poor in spirit. It's, it's actually a play on that same concept of being humble. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Uh, the word uh, mourn, uh, we see in Corinthians 8, 9, for he... Uh, For ye know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he be rich, yet for your sake he became poor. Uh, that actually was uh, more with the other. Uh, Jesus lowered his status. He wasn't poor. He didn't come from a poor, humble carpenter. Uh uh, Joseph was actually a major contractor. He probably wasn't even a carpenter. He was a stonemason. And uh, there's a great deal of evidence that this is the case. Uh, the, and the word in the original text, people say, well, the, they would have preserved God's word. Well, actually, if you go to the original text that we have, the word doesn't really have anything to do with being a carpenter. It has to do with being a builder. Uh, it is other people who have come in and try to influence you away, but we still have a text original enough where you can go and look and say, well, it doesn't actually say that. But anyway, what I really meant to read there is Matthew 9:15, and Jesus said unto them, can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? 
But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast. So that word mourn there has to do with yearning for, because of the absence of the bridegroom. In uh, Luke six twenty-five, Woe unto them that are full, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now. For ye mourn and weep. Again, that mourning, when when somebody dies, they say they go into mourning, is because they miss the person that has passed away. They feel that loss. And so that's what the word mourning is carrying with it there, is that they feel that loss. And, you know, a lot of people ask, you know, why did Jesus say, Lord, Lord, why hast thou forsaken me? I tell people this, and, and they don't always understand it, but the analogy is there in creation, is that if you are, I mean, there's winter and there's summer. There's the time when we have a great deal of warmth, and there's a time when we have an absence of warmth, and we call it winter. Uh, we have, you breathe in, and you feel the oxygen come into your lungs, you breathe out, but you have to breathe out. You have to have that moment when there's no air in your lungs in order to breathe back in again. And this is the the spirit ebbs and flows as well. It's always really there. It's never really gone. But it must must be this pulsating in and out. And so uh, when you breathe out and you don't breathe in right away, you mourn for a new breath. You yearn for a new breath, and because of that, you take a new breath. You know, like somebody gets the wind knocked out of them. You know, that first breath when they get the air back into them, that's because they mourned. They yearned for that air. Excuse me. Um, in uh, some several other quotes, we see First uh, Corinthians five two, and ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned. That's the same word that hath done this deed might be taken away from amongst you. They were puffed up and they didn't. In other words, the, the, this concept of mourning, it, it is a humbling concept, too, because it is this yearning to receive. One of the biggest problems in seeking the kingdom is that people are willing to grasp almost anything rather than what they should be grasping. They, they don't persevere to the end. They desire... Uh, to be comforted at any cost. And they, you know, a lot of other people, there's a story a guy used to tell about a guy who was drafted into the Army, and while he was in the Army, every moment that he had a spare time, he would walk around and pick up little pieces of paper, and he would look at them, and he'd say, nope, that's not it. And he would throw the paper away, and he'd pick up another one, and he would say, nope, that's not it. And he just did this in his spare time all the time while he was in the service. And everybody watched him, and they thought, that hey, this guy is, you know. So finally they sent him to the psych ward, and uh, in the psych ward he did the same thing. Every time he saw a piece of paper, he'd pick it up, and he'd say, nope, that's not it. And they finally decided, this guy's nuts. We're going to section eight him. We're going to let him out of the Army. And so they gave him his... Uh, orders that he was released from the custody and control of the military and he picked up the paper and he looked at it and he said that's it <laughs> that's what he was looking for <laughs> so uh, it's that yearning that actually brings you to the point where you can receive and if he had settled for anything else along the way he wouldn't eventually got to what he was looking for and that's what we do a lot of times with our churches. We think, oh, well, this feels good. I'll settle for this. But there's a lot of people that are going around saying, nope, that's not it. They, they go to the church and they, they try to fit in and they try to hear and they try to play along. And they say, this is not it. Uh, there's something missing. There's still something missing. They are mourning for the absence of the Lord. They are yearning for the presence of the Lord. And so that's what that uh, quote is talking about. And, it, and he's saying, 
Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. They will eventually receive that which they are desirous of. But if you accept a substitute, then you will not be comforted. And that's what everybody in the world has done. They have accepted a substitute church and a substitute image of Christ, a substitute image of God, a substitute which is a lie. And they will not be comforted. They will undergo terrible darkness and hard times. And we are all guilty to one degree or another. We all need to repent and turn around. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now this word meek and the word poor, they both have this concept of humility, but they are actually different words. So we should look at that different word. Uh, it has to do with mildness of disposition, gentleness of spirit, meekness. And we see the word also in Matthew 21.5, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitteth, sitting upon an ass and a colt and a foal of the ass. What, what are they talking about there, this idea? We also see the word in First Peter 3, 4, but let it be in the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. I know some people, they, they can't tell you what you're doing wrong until they get upset and angry at you. That's not being meek. You need to be able to speak up and talk to others, ask questions, state answers with a meekness. It does have a concept of humility, but it just means that it's quiet, it's peaceful. You, you, you can't upset me. People, a lot of times people will try to say something that says, oh, I, I, I'm sorry if I upset you. Well, why do you think that I'm upset? <laughs> upset? I didn't get upset. Uh, sometimes when people do that, they actually said what they said to upset you. And as a matter, they do it all the time. And so they, they, it's a common little throw out, I'm sorry I upset you. But you didn't upset me. Uh, you're, you're imagining that I'm upset. You need to have this meekness. Don't. And when you first hear about the fact that you're enslaved and that you're in bondage and that you've been deceived... And remember, your deception is the result of your own lack of willingness to mourn for the fullness of the truth. So don't get angry. Don't get upset. Don't get all worked up. Don't need that anger in order to motivate you to action. You need to be motivated out of a peaceful love for the light and for the truth and for the character of God, which is a giver of life. And now you know the truth, and you should be happy and delighted and at peace with sharing it with others. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Again, that thirsting after righteousness is the same concept as we saw in mourning except for their specific thing about thirsting after righteousness. And that righteousness, what, what does that mean? Dikio uh, Olson, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that Greek word. <laughs> um, because actually there's uh, two or three different uh, variations of the word. Uh, observing divine law, some say, righteousness, uh, in a broad sense, a state of him who is as he ought to be. Righteousness, a condition acceptable to God. The doctrine concerning the way in which a man may attain a state approved of God. Well, of course, the state that you are all in is not approved of God. It's actually anti-God, anti-Christ because it's based on force, fear, and violence and not on faith, hope, and charity, which we've already discussed. So you're in also in a state of bondage, like that bondage of Egypt, which God said never to return to, but people did under uh, Samuel. Uh, 
and Saul, and they were told that this desire to return that way was because they had already rejected God. So this idea of hungering after righteousness would be hungering after uh, a state in which you did not covet your neighbor's goods, that you did live by faith, hope, and charity, that you did seek the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. And that would be the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the right to be ruled by God, that state in which you have a society that is based on helping one another and equal love for one another and one another's rights instead of a covetous society that is always taking a bite out of one another. So blessed are those that go the way of the kingdom and not blessed are those who don't. <laughs> they don't receive the blessings of God. They stay in darkness. They stay without the light. They will receive blessings, but it won't be of God. It will be whatever is left over. And we know who is not with God is, we call him Satan. We call him Lucifer. We call him anti-God, anti-Christ. He will bestow upon you his benefits. And, you know, I've seen the cat out here calling to the birds, and it just, just chin just shakes, calling up to the birds. She loves them. She just loves those birds to death. You actually hear people say that. Um, that's the wrong kind of love. That's not the love that gives life. That's the love that sucks life out of others. And uh, that's what we have today. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Jesus constantly said that concept in many different ways. Forgive that ye may be forgiven. If you don't forgive your brother, then neither will the Father forgive you. Uh, if you don't have mercy for others, they will not have mercy for you. If you're still coveting your neighbor's goods, then they have every right to covet your, neighbor, your goods and take away from you what you desire to take away from them. You're in the game. You're playing on their rules and God's rules are forgiveness why should they forgive you if you won't forgive them if you will not say nobody owes me anything <laughs> I'm not going to take these benefits anymore then if you don't say that then they have every right to say you're just a runaway slave if you don't gather together and help one another out in faith, hope, and charity, you have every appearance of simply being a runaway slave. You go off and be your sovereign. I'm going to be a servant of Christ. I don't want to be a sovereign. I want to be subject to Christ and the Father. I want to take care of the needy of my society. And I will even help out the foreigner in my society, which is the red heifer, which is another study we're not going into right now. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Pure in heart, who in the God's green earth is pure in heart? That's an idea that is just absolutely foreign to most of us, because we're not pure in heart. We're full of selfishness. And the fact that the, the gospel that I'm preaching should tell us that we are full of selfishness. I'm not tickling your ears. I want to bring your attention to the gaping wound of selfishness in your heart that has brought you back into the bondage of the world, far from the kingdom of God, so that you repent and turn and wash out that sore and let it heal in God's good graces. Blessed are the peacemakers. How many of you are causing trouble where you're at? Oh, I know most, probably the worst offenders think, oh, not me. I wouldn't do it. You're causing backbiting. You wouldn't believe the mealy mouth sweet people that are causing, we've got a phone call. Let's take the call. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? Oh, I'm not hearing him. Did I disconnect him? 
evidently we finally got somebody brave enough to make the call and the equipment failed us. We can try that again. Hello? I hope they call back and we'll see if we get the, <laughs> should have read the instructions again. We wanted somebody to call in today and we would test the system. And uh, evidently, yeah, lots of buttons here, lots and lots of buttons. Um, anyway, we'll see if that, uh, they can call in again and we'll see if we can take that call. Uh, so anyway, uh, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. A lot of people are going around thinking, oh, I'm in the kingdom and they're persecuting me. But they're not really being persecuted for righteousness' sake. They're just being persecuted because they're rebels. Uh, they're opposing the existing system. They haven't really formulated the kingdom of God. They're not really, you know, Christ was helping people, taking, that they had a vast network that was taking over the social welfare system of the temple. That's why he was in there casting out and uh, these money changers, which were the porters of the temple, receiving uh, huge sums of money. We go into that detail. Let's see if we can do that this time. Hello? Well, well, we heard a dial tone there. Hello? We're not getting the... We'll have to test this after the show. <laughs> so, anyway, we're coming to the end of the show. Uh, we'll give it a shot for next week. We'll see if our call-in system works. Until then, may peace be upon you. I'll say, see you on talk show right after the show. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.